It's never been done before. You want to knock over a casino? Three casinos? You gotta be nuts. Exactly. This place houses a security system that rivals most nuclear missile silos. Smash and grab job, huh? Slightly more complicated than that. Oh. Yeah. You're a thief and a liar. I only lied about being a thief. Why do this? Because the house always wins. Unless, when that perfect hand comes along, you bet big, and then you take the house. Been practicing this speech A little bit. Did I rush it? Felt like I rushed it. was good. I liked it. Welcome back to Franchise Fanatics. I'm Ryan Katmeyer. And I'm Cody Lindley, with the most broadcasty voice I can do. The golden radio voice from Tyler, Texas. Thanks. Mom always said I had a face for radio. That's great. I, I love to hear that. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for tuning in today, folks. Before we get started, uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our wonderful guest today. We have uh, writer and overall amazing human being, Sarah Magnuson. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me in my own basement. I really appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm, I'm married to Ryan. That's right. Uh, Sarah, in addition to being a writer and lovely human, is also an amazing wife. And I, I'm just married to my work. <laughs> yeah, Cody's married to the pod. Married to the pod game. <laughs> married to the pod game. Yes. Uh, so, as you guys know, we finished Back to the Future last three episodes. And I said we were taking a gamble. We're going to sunny Nevada to cover the Oceans franchise. Starting with Oceans 11. Bum, bum, da, dum, bum, bum. Jazzy soundtrack. I was like, is there a theme song? Well, I guess it's just sort of that like. Yeah, there. If you listen to their soundtracks, they're they're excellent, especially the Ocean's Twelve in particular is um, really nice for just kind of having a walkabout. Yeah, I I actually have a note uh, of a specific call out in the prison scene. Like, there's not a lot of music. It's a great exposition scene where Danny Ocean. I'm sorry, I'm stepping on Sarah's plot That's a little okay. bit, but Danny Ocean's like talking. And then they say, where do you like, what are you going to do if you get out? And all he does is smile. And that's when the first jazzy bass line comes in. And I, I literally was watching this and I was like, I'm ready for this movie. It's great. It's just a, the perfect film through and through. I really feel this way. Yeah, it, it's just perfect. And everyone should love it. I love this movie. It's a, the quintessential movie. It's so good. Yeah. What I'm about to propose to you is both highly lucrative and highly dangerous. Ryan. Yeah. You know what I'm going to ask? What's that? First of all, well, you know, our agents that we really do have are hard at negotiating our corporate sponsorships at all time. So, Ryan, this episode, who should we be sponsored by? Uh, today, I think we should be sponsored by uh, the material cardboard. And the reason is because, as Sarah and I were just telling Cody off mic, uh, there was a little bunny that was um, on our sunken patio today. And... Eventually, we kind of um, got it into a cardboard box, and that's how we more or less saved it because it wasn't going to get any food or be able to see its family down there. So, yeah, shout out to Cardboard. Uh, if anyone from Big Cardboard is listening, go ahead and toss us some bucks to uh, to sponsor the pot. Yeah, that's a great sponsor uh, because it saved someone's life today. And I'm going to choose something that ruins a lot of people's life. The Bellagio Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas is sponsoring uh, is who I would like to sponsor this episode. Nice. Yeah. I would like our dog Rodeo to sponsor this episode because I wasn't allowed to have her in this room today. It's breaking my heart and I can hear her barking upstairs and it's breaking hers. 
And so I think she is the sponsor of this podcast. And then once she can take financial control of it, she's going to kick both of you out. And it's going to be my podcast with Rodeo, where we just talk about our little our little adventures all day. I love that. Um, you heard it here. Today's podcast brought to you by Heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, you can start a different podcast with Rodeo if you want to. You don't have to kick oh, Cody no, we don't. Have, we don't. We don't want to do it unless it's like it's got to be mission driven. Season three of Franchise Fanatics becomes just a, a dog and her woman adventure story. Yeah. And, I love that. and that I did say that correctly. It is Rodeo's yeah. Adventures with yes. Sarah. Yes, it is. What did you guys get a group rate or something? Sarah, I know you started to share this, but do you just want to touch on any other initial thoughts that you have about the film? Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that it's the perfect film, it's enjoyable top to bottom. Um, you know, were all of the sequels in the franchise, you know, was everything as good as the first? No, but it's just such a blessing to get more. And so I'm grateful. Very similar to anything with the Muppets. Like, you know, for instance, today they're putting out a lot of Muppet uh, content that's ultimately trash, but I don't care because it's still just more of a good thing conceptually. And so that's how I feel about Ocean's Eleven. I love also just any story where you're following a lot of friends who are on a mission. And I feel like that's very much this uh, this group of people. I mean, it's also kind of like a workplace comedy. These people otherwise, yeah. they're only linked by their profession. Uh, I don't think that they'd really know each other if they weren't all con men. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts on this. It, it puts it in line with things like uh, The Hangover and Wild Hogs. That's other... Perfect films. <laughs> <laughs> Known film critic, uh, Sarah Magnuson. Wild Hogs, I saw it in theaters and I loved it. I loved it then. And you know what? I like it now. <laughs> if they do two more, we'll have you back on oh to discuss God. the Wild Hogs Give franchise. Us that gift. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my initial thoughts. Thank you so much, Sarah. Mm-hmm. My initial thoughts. I, I love this movie. It's I, I mean, I fucking love las vegas i've gone with a couple of our friends a number of times it's just really fun i feel like i feel like i don't go for like craziness or anything like that or even to like gamble my heart out but i often have the vibe that i am on a high screw when i'm there it's like boom 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 that jazzy bass line's always playing in the back of my head um yeah i mean sarah you hit the nail on the head it's a great ensemble comedy it's so full of it's just oozing charm the whole time you know like Anytime it seems like their plans about to fall apart or someone's got the better of them. All it takes is a smile or like, a oh, actually, these two characters are old friends and jokes on you. Um, It is a movie, ironically, where I think like everything goes right. Like even when things seem to go wrong, it it's fun because you're never too worried about it. I don't know if that's a I don't know if I'm putting that the right way, but you're both nodding. So I'm going to assume I am. It's also, um, you know, I I saw this movie uh, a good chunk growing up because my dad's a huge fan of the original with the rat, Mm. Mm -hmm. which is a great movie. Um, Like many films my father loves it. uh, They're all like retired World War World War Two people. And it has a lot more to do with the troops. So ironically, really? Yeah, I've never even seen it. The whole thing is like they don't get there. I mean, I haven't looked at the Wikipedia a second, but like something happens. They don't get there like pension from the military so then they rob a casino uh and that's why they're so regimented and good at stuff so we watched this and i really liked it my dad too but my dad was like i just wish they hadn't removed the part about the military you know so that tells you my dad's 
alignment on a lot of things, unfortunately. That's so interesting. But um, yeah, so I think I saw this movie like not younger than I should have, but it definitely was a recurring film growing up because it was just fun. And I think we owned the DVD and stuff. So I, one thing I like about it, too, is that there are some like pretty, um, I, I guess, artistic elements that you wouldn't find in a typical blockbuster. So it's almost like there are some out art housey things going on um, that are then accessible to the average watch like viewer who would not normally go to see like a Wes Anderson, for instance, I'm not comparing this to, to any Wes Anderson film necessarily, but just like there are some choices that are made with the cinematography and like colors and sounds um, that I think is not stuff you typically see when you pop on, you know, a Michael Bay film or some, you know, big blockbuster for its summer or Thanksgiving weekend. I mean, yeah, Sarah, sorry, Ryan, I'm cutting you off before you can get out your initial thoughts yet, but I totally agree because like the scene that comes to mind the most is when Ruben's telling them like, do you know the three most successful robberies in Las oh, Vegas? Yeah, yeah. And that seems so fun. They definitely like he's like 1965 and it looks like it's 1965. Yeah. It's very heightened. It's very shot in a fun way. The music changes. Um, but yeah, so just just agreeing with you. But yeah, Ryan, what's your little initial thoughts over there? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a fun heist movie. It's sort of a veritable who's who of like the early aughts with the cast, you know, uh, a fun ensemble. You get a lot of you get a lot of characters. You get a lot of class. You get a lot of a sophistication and suave. Definitely makes it seem uh, it shows like the sort of. I, I guess, like higher society side of Las Vegas to, to a large extent. Uh, I always love a good sort of like getting the band back together yeah. montage, which is always <laughs> fun. Uh, you know, a la Blues Brothers and you know many, many other movies. And yeah, you know, it's got sort of that that uh, plot twist at, at the end, not like in an M. Night Shyamalan style, but just kind of like, you know, they show what's happening and then they show sort of what yes. really is happening, right. which is is super fun. And yeah, I, I think overall it's just a a good, fun movie. It's it's really rewatchable. I haven't seen the, the first one or, you know, the original, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall, I, I think it's a I think it's a really fun movie. That's right, Topher. Should yeah. we talk about some of the main characters? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it starts off with Danny Ocean, uh, who's George Clooney, and he is uh, in jail. It's his first ever prosecution. I think he gets out for good behavior. Um, and they're essentially like, hey, what are you going to do when you get out? And he's like, you know. Going right back to work and for work, you know, work for him is uh, heists. Um, so he immediately is just kind of playing the game. Um, he seeks out initially his partner or, or good friend slash colleague, whatever you call someone in this sort of non-business. Uh, Rusty, played by Brad Pitt, who's at his hottest, truly his hottest in this. I mean, just... My God, those two put him in everything. And do you think it's because he's eating throughout? Because there's just something a little he's sensual about how he's just snacking throughout the whole movie. I think he's just I loved watching him just be like, God, I have to go to work with. Like, what is it? Topher Grace. I've got to deal with <laughs> Topher Grace every day. Um, but yeah, so uh, Danny Ocean goes out, finds Rusty's just uh, teaching like big celebrity People at the time, he's teaching them how to play poker and they're all miserable at it. And these are like CW actors. Um, I don't even know what that was back then, the WB. So you're looking at like Barry, I think it's, what is his name? Barry 
Watson, whoever is from know. Seventh Heaven. Yeah, oh. I know who you're talking about. I don't know his name. Josh. Josh. Not Hartnett, but no. the other Josh. Jamal. Joshua Jackson. Oh, uh, yes. From, uh, you know, Dawson's Creek and a lot of other things. I mean, he's also in The Affair. If you've seen the first season of The Affair, it's great. It immediately goes downhill. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so those two, I, I'm concerned that I don't have Barry. I'm cons- I don't want to. There's Barry Watson and there's a different Barry who's the, I think, the dad from the Brady Bunch. Yeah, it doesn't matter. All this is, it doesn't matter. But those are the two main characters, basically. And Danny Ocean gets out and he's like, I got to go get my wife back. Played by Julia Roberts. Her name is Tess. And she has since fallen in love or at least um, has fallen into a um, a satisfying enough relationship with Andy Garcia, who plays... Harry Benedict, the owner of the Bellagio and also other casinos or just the Bellagio? The Bellagio, the MGM Grand and I would imagine Caesars. A, I don't think it's Caesars, the but it, the Mirage. Okay. Because they are robbing all three because right, they're Harry right. Benedict's casinos. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, something that you called out, Sarah, that I absolutely love is that um, George Clooney, Danny Ocean. It was actually really hard. Spoiler, we're going to recast this one like we did Back to the Future. <laughs> it was really hard to think of someone who can be George Clooney at his most George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized I love films where George Clooney is getting out of prison and needs to get his wife back. That genre includes Ocean's Eleven and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> oh, <two yeah>. Amazing <laughs> films. <laughs> That's so true. I love Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And I don't know why. It's a film I, I watched for the first time when I must have been like in the fifth grade. Why, why would a fifth grader love that? I don't uh, know. Same. I don't know, but I did. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's kind of uh, how it how it starts off, and it's just like cameos and just fabulous ensemble characters, and I mean, it's a lot of you know, it's a lot of what you'd expect from the early aughts, but that's okay. We're gonna recast it because we don't need Scott Con in this, but I love Scott Con. Hot take. I'd say we don't need Scott Con, but we'll, you know we're burning all the Hollywood bridges. Yeah. Starting a feud with Scott Con. Yeah. You guys are pros, the best. Yeah, I mean Clooney again. You know, like he he's able to get. I think a lot of uh, the way that like this heist also works is just because of like how charismatic a lot of the people in this movie are, and like the confidence through which they go. Uh, with things like, you know, when Brad Pitt shows up as a doctor, you know, he just walks in and he's like, yes, I'm a doctor. Where is it? Where am I needed? And right. you know, they just kind of like they're hiding in plain sight throughout a lot of it, which I think is like, yeah. And, you know, I think the movie like sets itself up to be like, yeah, this is done because of like how cool and like suave these guys are. Well, that's like the whole thing, too. I mean, they're con men. They are confidence. Yeah. men. And so when you're thinking about how we're going to recast someone like George Clooney, I immediately think of. Uh, Ocean's 8, where they kind of try to do something very similar with an entire cast of women. We watched it on our honeymoon because we were in Costa Rica and there was nothing in English except for so much Chicago PD, which I'm now a super fan of. And that's a different a different podcast, I'm sure. But I could get into it. I won't in this moment. Um, But they, you know, they make Sandra Bullock his um, his sister and she plays kind of the version of Danny Ocean for this cast and it just and I love her and everything and I, w- I would die for her but it did not work it yeah. simply didn't work um, yeah so it's a, that's a tough one that's a tough one Yeah. now that she's not charismatic she absolutely is but you just need someone who's just so confident uh, that you know 
like she's just she's built a career being so human to us and it he's superhuman. Yeah. I also I I think that this is probably the most uh like fragile we've seen George Clooney in a movie because he does get like punched. He's he like almost loses a couple yeah. times, but you know. Uh one other thing I want to call out before we move on to the patented three minute plot challenge is uh Terry Benedict as a villain. I think Andy Garcia mm. really does a good job of just being just imposing. That's the word I keep coming back yeah. to. You know, like Ruben says, you know, used to be civil. You you hit a guy and he'd hit you back. But Benedict, you hit him. He hits you and then he goes after your family. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just this guy as a legend. We don't actually see him do too much during the movie to like earn that. But yeah, I be- you believe it from the yeah. second you see him. Yeah, his, his reputation precedes him. One thing that is like almost kind of scary about him, too, is just like in these moments where like you know he's getting robbed blind like hundreds of millions of dollars he still is like so cool calm and collected and even just like the tone and like volume at which he's speaking is like oh man this guy is it's kind of terrifying it's like a white hot rage (laughs) yeah just like yeah it is so pointed inside him. Yeah. Yeah. And like he he's wearing like what I assume is probably like a bespoke suit and like his oh, hair yeah. is done up and like he he's just like, yeah, this is my business. And now it's on. Yeah. Congratulations. You're a dead man. Sarah Magnuson. I've got three minutes on my clock. I'm going to count you down. OK. And you have three minutes to explain the plot. OK. This um, is exciting. It's, <laughs> it's very fun. Uh, one, two. Three. Danny Ocean is in jail and it is time for him to have his final interview with uh, whatever prison staff, parole officers, whatever, so that they can determine if he can safely be released to the public. They make the mistake and safely release him to the public where he immediately turns around and heads to wherever. Um, uh, oh, he actually he goes searching for information and he stops at a casino where he runs into Frank, who's played by Bernie Mac and is going by an alias Ramon. And he is uh, dealing. And so they have a, a rendezvous at a at some sort of uh, lounge in Caesars. And Bernie says, you know, last I heard Rusty's been teaching uh, poker or whatever card games to a bunch of idiots from uh, network television. And so then you cut to Rusty, who's talking to again who we assume is Barry Watson, definitely Topher Grace, definitely Joshua Jackson, definitely Shane West. And these guys are being really good sports playing themselves as absolute dildos. They do a great job. Um and perhaps they also just were that way. Also want to call out there's a woman in there. I don't know her name. It's Holly something. She was on Charmed. It was before my time. Uh but you know good for them. They found a second female to cast in this film. We're thrilled for them. Okay, uh, catching up because I've blown a minute and a half already. Okay, so they round up the troops. They got to find uh, a bunch of people. They find these two brothers uh, in Utah. They've got um, the amazing Yen, who's an acrobat. Ruben, Saul. Uh, they bring on Frank. They've got Linus. They bring in Livingston. Um, I feel like I'm missing two people. Basher. Basher. Oh, we love Basher. So they get this great group together. And they all agree, like, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And so what they do is ultimately they have to go through all of these different um, layers of security to get into the vault um, of the Bellagio. And what ultimately happens is they are recreating like rooms. They're creating fake rooms 
recording it so that it, like they're creating fake security footage. And ultimately, they're able to get in there while they cut all the electricity. And it's during a fight. So it's like the most expensive night, like in, you know, one of the most expensive nights of the year. And everybody's focused on this major um, boxing match. And they basically, it all works out. And they just straight up walk out with the money because they're all looking like they are the SWAT team. So they just literally walk out in a bag of cash, get into a fake SWAT vehicle. And it works out. Tess then, of course, wants to be with Danny Ocean because he proved how much he loves her. And in the end, they all part ways after gazing at the beautiful Bellagio fountains while Claire de Lune plays. You tossers! You had one job to do! Thank you, Sarah, with five seconds left on the clock. Honestly, our guests have been killing it. Both me and Ryan didn't <laughs> make it to the end of our plot challenges. <laughs> guests take it a lot more seriously, and I love that. Uh, great job, Sarah. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Amazing. Thank you. All right, let's get into that recap rating. Um, this is where we'll go over anything more minutia based that we wanted to. You guys know the drill. You've listened to the first three episodes, unless you're a ocean super fan. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll, I'll kick it off. And the very first thing I'm going to say, I give this movie biased as I am five poker chips out of five. Mm. I, I really love this movie for what it is. It is, it knocks it out of the park. I think that the whole idea of they play Terry on multiple levels, you know, Danny um, gets like sidelined in a room where he's supposed to be getting roughed up and then he goes and helps with the heist ends up in that room again. And just when Terry's like. Did you do this? And he's like, I can get you the money. And you're like, oh, my goodness, is he like revealing his hand? And then he has the great line there. He's like, I knew a guy in the joint. Give me 72 hours and I'll find your money because he's not he can't give himself and everyone else up. Um, and like just that look as he like. As Tess leaves him too, and she's like, you know, you know the rules of a casino. This is a great movie for one-liners. You know, she says, somebody's always watching, and you're like, dang. Uh, yeah, it's so fun. It's so playful. I, I love this movie. I, another line I have to call out real quick, I'm just quoting lines, is when Rusty's talking to the bartender, and he said, it's the worst night of my life, and the guy goes, what? And he's like, I'm going to sleep with your yes, wife, yes. and the guy smiles and nods. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, I give it 10 out of five fountains. Um, <laughs> it's just perfect. And I want to say culturally, this was huge when people could still just generally stomach Matt Damon. And I'll be honest, he's fallen out of favor with me. But this did set us up for that George Clooney, Brad Pitt versus Matt Damon thing where Matt Damon's coming up through the I'm a fancy white man actor in Hollywood and they were all always just joking with him about when he was going to be People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive because the other two had been. And it, like every year, it was just this funny joke. There was just it was fun to have the cultural camar camaraderie of those three. Um, I think he eventually did end up at with Sexiest Man Alive at some point. I don't know. Uh, all that to say, very good time. Uh, love watching him and anything with Elliot Gould. Get the get out of here. I don't know if we swear on this, but yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, get out of here. Don't edit that out. Get out of here. Very explicit. Get out of here. Very explicit. Get out of here. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, it's it's just a good time. Yeah, it's perfect. All right, I'll give
So that's uh, oh, an imperfection. My, my husband has a problem uh, with this not being no, I, women. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want concrete examples, no, no I, I do. I literally it's do. a good fun movie, but like, you know, <clears throat> I, I don't, I don't, in terms of like the screenwriting or anything like that, I don't think it's like a flawless film. It's, it's fun. <laughs> I, I rewatch it every once in a while. It's a good movie. I just am not going to say it's five out of five. Four out of five is still very good. Um, if you hear my silence, it is because this was bad for my marriage. This is just not good. It's got to be a five bad out of five. Marriage? Five out of five. You bad know how important this is. Yeah. I, I, like, we watched this last night. I like this movie. You fell asleep in it. That had nothing to do with the film. Anyways, four out of five. Very good. Very fun to watch. Excellent cast. Steven Soderbergh, great director, but, you know, it's not good, fellas. I don't know what to tell you. It's just not five out of five for me. Four I, out of five. I accept your rating. No, no, yes, I accept your thank rating. Thank you. I, I know that. I love this movie. Um, one real quick thing before we move on to, like, talking about it and the franchise or just hitting those first notes since it's a first movie. Do you guys do this during the Matt Damon scene when it was shot kind of weirdly, but they were on the brown line and yeah. they're downtown? I always, anytime Chicago is in uh, a movie, I'm like, hey, I know where that place I is. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. uh, we're based in Chicago, in case you're listening to this and don't know who we are. Especially um, at train stations. Like our friends. <laughs> when they're at, like on a train, especially in the series Shameless, I noticed that all the trains on the outside, instead of being marked like Brown Line to Kimball or Next Stop, whatever, it always says out of service. And that drives me insane. That's so funny. Yeah. I am. Um, I do love to uh, anytime a character is in Lower Wacker, which like when Matt Damon lifts uh, stuff off George Clooney and then he's he is in Lower Wacker. And I'm like, where's where's Matt Damon going to? <laughs> nobody, nobody needs to be in the I know. bowels of our downtown city. No. <laughs> From Chicago. Yeah. It's nice there. Do you like it? Yeah. That's wonderful. Get in the goddamn house. Do you want to go ahead and. Do some recasting? Uh, yeah, just real quick. I'm going to say for the do we need this movie? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For this franchise, because, again, uh, I think there will be a few franchises that the first movie is literally so different that we're like, nah, it, it doesn't need mm -hmm. it. I think that'll be rare. But uh, now let's now. Yes. Right. You're going to need a crew as nuts as you are. I, I guess I can kick it off. We'll start with Danny Ocean. I'm going to say uh, Kamal Nanjiani. Um, someone who I just think is, you know, I think can take on that, like, sophisticated guy, sort of like bringing everybody together. Uh, I, I think he's a great actor. I think he's hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I think overall he can just be like a, a suave sort of leading man in this role. And, you know, I love Kamal. I'd like to see him get more like leading roles and everything, too. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love, that's a good cast. Sarah? Who's your Danny Ocean? I think based on um, some of the more recent works that she's been in, where she's proven that she can um, compromise morals and can be very confident while doing it. I got to say, Melanie Linsky. Nice. Nice. I think, yeah, uh, both great calls. I like I like both those casting choices a lot. Get her out of a housewife outfit, put her in something, something jazzy, yeah. a little oh, snazzy, yeah. and send her out there to steal some money. I like that for her. Speaking about people in the cultural zeitgeist right now, I was actually having a really hard time casting this, but I decided that I think someone who's likable enough in person that if we got to see that more on film, 
I went with Pedro Pascal. Yeah. He's a little older for this role compared to everyone else that I've casted. But I think that he would be bring that charm to the role heavily. I think that's also true of Clooney at the time, right? I mean, what's the age difference between him and Brad Pitt? It's probably... I don't know if it's substantial, but I don't know. Well, them and Matt Damon for sure. Like, yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Cool. I'll, I'll I'll kick us off with Rusty. I cast someone that I think because uh, I think with like Brad Pitt, he's inherently a bit funner. But someone I think that when we see them have fun, uh, we would like and is just an attractive, hot, hot human. I cast Ryan Gosling. Mm. I could watch him just eat snacks and occasionally play something goofy, especially after seeing. Uh, I'm really excited to see Barbie when it comes out. Like him as Ken, him kind of like joking around about stuff. I'm super into. Nice. Uh, I'm going to say Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, I, I just I really, really love him. I could see him being an actor who eats in every scene, which I know is not a great reason to cast everybody. But I just think like, yeah, he's he's sort of like. Brad Pitt seems a little mysterious in this movie to some extent. And I think Lakeith Stanfield really takes on those roles a lot. Uh, I think the banter between him and Kamal Nanjiani would be really great. Similar to what we see with uh, George Clooney and Brad Pitt. And yeah, I would love to see him teaching Topher Grace and a bunch of goobers to play poker. Uh, I know we keep focusing on that scene a lot, but it's such a fun scene. Yeah, I just think he's he's great and he'd be uh, really cool to see in this role. Yeah, we've, I mean, Lakeith is my answer too, because we've given this, we've, we've spent a massive chunk of our honeymoon literally doing this and trying to recast this. And Lakeith was someone that kept coming out, kept coming up for us. But I would also say Brett Goldstein, why not? Mm. Let's get Roy Kent doing this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I was about to ask who Brett yeah. Goldstein was. But yeah. yeah that's why fun. not? You know, why not? Hell yeah. You think we need one more? All right, we'll get one more. There, you want to kick us off with your test? I don't really know. I mean, I because I, I was thinking like I, I thought of like Melanie Linsky for like a Danny Ocean replacement. But then I don't know, like just as a general test replacement. I mean, Tess is just not a not a fully formed character at all. So you could really just say anything. I mean, I wouldn't want to change it, really. Um, so I do I have an answer? No. I mean, it, it could be anyone. If you put anyone in and just build it out a little more. Basically, what I'm saying is I don't know who to recast. I just think that Tess needs to be like better formed. It gets better in Ocean's Twelve, obviously. 12 and 13, yeah. yeah, but like, uh, I I don't really have a, a response. Yeah, she's there just to kind of serve as the like conflict between Terry Benedict and Danny Ocean, more or less. Yeah, I, I think instead of recasting her, you want to rewrite her. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah I do. Four out of five. Uh, um, that's. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I struggled with this character, too. I ended up going with Anne Hathaway because I was trying to think who's a little bit closer to that age now that carries that like, oh, she's in this movie. She's so she's just. Who she is, you know, because you're right. Yeah, we're getting that's that's what I found hard about this. There's not a lot of character to back it up, Mm -hmm. which, you know, granted, you're right. Nowadays, if this film was going to be actually remade, give her more. But. If it's being made like it is, I'm trying to think of who just has that star power that with so little is elegant, mm-hmm. is these two powerful men are 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 doing all of this for her in a way, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really struggled, but I just I chose Anne Hathaway. You know, it's going to be like kind of a throwback to something I referenced earlier. But honestly, if you want someone who can carry that, 
you know, carry that role and can inject something interesting into it because she it does not quite have the star power that Julia Roberts did in that era. But she certainly has massive substance as an actress. I would say Emmy Rossum. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say Ali Wong. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like oh, don't make her rusty. <laughs> <laughs> I want Ellie Wong to be rusty. Yeah, also great. I mean, yeah, put Lakeith Stanfield as Tess and put whatever you want to <laughs> name him, whatever. And but, honestly, actually, wait, because now I'm thinking about beef. Make Steven Yen Danny Ocean. Yeah, that, that there's there's a lot of possibility here. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Ellie Wong is just great. Uh, she's always so funny in like conflict, I think, too. Um, she obviously just reinforced her acting chops with the series Beef. Uh, she's pretty great in everything. And by pretty great, I mean, great. Uh, also, you know, very funny. Doesn't have like the sort of like star power, so to say, as Julia Roberts. But let's let's get her there. She yeah. deserves it. She's she could do it. Um, so, yeah, I agree. And that brings us to the last one, which is Terry Benedict. Who wants to kick us off with their Benedict? Uh, I, I, I can do it. Uh, I'm going to say Jesse Plemons. Mm. Uh, you know, I think he is in. I don't know if it's even more recently, but for whatever reason, like. Anytime he's a villain, he's just so good. Uh, he's just a great actor. Um, and yeah, I think you'd you'd get a lot out of. I mean, Andy Garcia, I think, really kills this role. And I think Jesse Plemons would also. Yeah, I don't know. I think that when we were describing uh, and talking about this character earlier, like, you know, you said the bespoke suit, you know, showing up with his hair perfectly done, handling multi-million, you know, like just so much like a massive, unthinkable size business i come to jeremy strong from succession as we all know him as ah. uh, kendall kendall roy i mean it, it would be fun to see him a little looser like the same kind of uh status but like with a las vegas sort of swagger would be very interesting and also when we're done here i just want to say before you go i have a linus that i will be talking about oh same so we're not recasting linus but we both have someone we yeah. like for him <laughs> uh, so my benedict is simu liu um I think he is uh, he's also uh, in Barbie. He was Shang-Chi and Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. I'm trying to think what else he's been in uh, lately. Ryan, you might know something. Uh, you know, the the most recent thing I saw him in was Celebrity Jeopardy. Oh, that's uh, which he, that's uh, yeah, yeah, he's so fun on it. Too. Yeah. But I think that he um, he is just that like he could play an imposing character. He could cut, a, as you said, there like a sharp figure in a suit. I think that uh, I would just really I'd be interested as, in him as Benedict. But nice. you mentioned having a Linus. I also have a Linus. So what, who would your Linus be? My Linus, it I think, could achieve that like very sweet green naivete that Matt Damon was able to capture, but also give it this like little goofy quality. I'm going hard for John Reynolds as Linus. Nice. I nice. will go hard for John Reynolds as anything, though. And if I were like, you know, uh, a Cohen brother or a Scorsese or a Wes Anderson where I had my go-to, he would be in my go-to cast. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. So anyway, yeah, John Reynolds. Uh, mine is Jack Quaid from Scream 5. He was, oh, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dennis Quaid's kid. Yeah. I think that every time I see him in stuff, I always forget he's Dennis Quaid's kid. I had to look up mm. his name. I just think that he could play that role pretty, pretty fun. Uh, and then last of a recast. Ryan, did you have a Linus or? 
Uh, sure, yeah. I'll say uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. That's so insane. I love that. I, I think it'd just be a fun addition to this cast. That's and, fun. Yeah. He's a good villain. He could be a... Uh, a less weighty Benedict. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. You know who I'd like to see him as as well? And that's going to be my next character. I don't have Sasha Baron Cohen for it, but for Ruben, yeah. I think you put a lot of makeup on Sasha Baron Cohen. He would have a lot of fun oh, as that role. you also said... I have John Early as Ruben. A, I think he would bring... A slam dunk. So he'd bring that fabulousness that Elliot mm. brought to the role. Um, this recast is longer than most of our other recasts we will do. It's, all right. it's just so fun. Um, and I was also thinking of like, you know, who today would I want to see as playing dipshit versions of themselves in, you know, like your Shane West. I mean, you know, I wanted to see Timothy Chalamet just being a complete moron trying to learn how to play this. I mean, like all those little like, you know, big name, like put a stupid Pete Davidson in there playing poker and just absolutely failing. And yeah. just all those little like very popular right now people I, it's a little bit done in um this is the end i think is the name mm-hmm. of the movie yeah uh i go with michael Sarah. Yeah. i would love to see michael Sarah play the toe for grace where he's just like full of himself and a jerk uh, real quick too before we move on one last game i want to play with this is who's your favorite heist member we have 11 choices oh my god i love um if i may yeah i just love the back and forth between brothers virgil and turk they're just in their own world. And I know that Casey Affleck, I know we hate him, but he's one where I am very much able to love the art, not the artist. I love watching Casey Affleck and everything. I honestly don't want to replace him, but I'd have to where we couldn't get this reboot produced. <laughs> Ryan, who do you got? Who's my favorite? Um, you know, I gotta I gotta give a shout out to Bernie Mac. Oh, uh, yeah. I love Frank slash Ramon. Uh, I'd, I'd love the scene. I'll just kind of talk about this. We we haven't mentioned it, but when he's like negotiating the price of the vans, yes. and he just he's just <laughs> grabbing the guy's hand. He's like, "You have very soft hands. What do you what do you use? I, see, I use whatever lotion yeah. he uses." And then he, the entire time, he's just like putting the guy's hand in a vice grip. Yeah. So I just think Bernie Mac is hilarious, and yeah, uh, you know, rest in peace. Gotta love Frank. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm gonna choose. Uh, Basher. I think oh, I would nice. choose Don Cheadle. There, it, I think it's like a funner Don Cheadle than we get in a lot of movies. Yeah. You know, he's usually a more yeah. leading man, serious drama heavy. And just like when he's like, we're in rubble. And they're like, mm-hmm. and he's like, Bonnie rubble, trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I love that he's part. not replaceable. I would just recast him as himself. Just a little <laughs> yeah. older. I don't care. Honestly, you know, I, I feel like he could even maybe play a, a, a Danny Ocean oh, yeah, or a Terry yeah. Benedict very, very easily. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Awesome. What the fuck you bet? Any any final thoughts or anything while we have the folks? <sighs> no, here? I'm really excited to cover the franchise. I've never seen Oceans 8. Um, and that I believe is gonna be what we call the franchise end of this, correct, Ryan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was the last movie made. Um Yeah, we're going we're going Crown Rod. Chronological. Yeah, we're going we're going Croner Croner Not uh, yeah, I'm excited. For, like I said, I love I watched Ocean's Eleven a lot growing up. I did not watch 12 and 13 as much, but sure. I've seen them a couple of times. I enjoy them both. Nice. Um, Ocean's 12, you're going to hear us talk about what we do in the shadows a lot because mm-hmm. I love that, that the neighbor character's favorite movie is oh, specifically yeah. Ocean's 12. It's uh, <laughs> so funny. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, love it. Super excited for this franchise. Sarah, thank you so much for 
for coming in and uh you thank know. you it was a, it was a, it was quite a commute but yeah. i was so happy to thank you I, I love this movie um and i'm gonna be bringing it up a lot now especially that i know that my beloved thinks it's a four out of five which i think is unacceptable and hurtful so i think it's, it's personal i don't have a husband or didn't you get the papers sarah where can folks find you anything you want to plug no <laughs> all right joe just um, edit that out yeah. uh joe uh if you're listening to this joe and i are 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 what is he a producer yeah uh, our producer this this producer joe uh and i are on a, an improv team together and so sometimes we're around doing things with gallon uh sometimes we're not though very fun team. Very fun team. Yeah. I feel like that's every improv team in Chicago right now. Right now it's like, yeah. You might see them and you might not see them for three months. Yeah. Um, so we're one of those. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, feel free to follow on Spotify, like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and take care. Bye. Less conversation, a little more